welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith and wellness. We're so glad you're listening. With it being summer and many of us planning vacations, we decided to talk about the subject of rest. What is the purpose of rest? What is the difference between resting and doing nothing? And how do we use rest as a tool to maximize ourselves in our daily lives? For another week, coming from Evan's house, here are Michael McCord, Lindsay Geist, and Evan DeYoung. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Not Alone Podcast, the podcast that explores faith, well-being, mental health, quality time with friends in person as we're recording another in-person episode. Welcome back, Michael and Lindsay. Woohoo! Glad to be back. Good to be with you guys again in real life. I know, it's wild. It's wild. It's good to see you, and uh, good to see you in person. I know. This feels so good for my soul, and at the same time, I feel like I'm going to totally crash tonight of having this much high energy with other people, being in person. It's like my system gets flooded and overwhelmed well, these you- days are the one who brought confetti poppers for us to <laughs> set off in my front yard to celebrate the True. fact that we were able to record together. And uh, let me see what here. All right. This one is titled the party popper. It is a spring loaded mechanism shoots foil confetti into the air. Has an exclamation point at the end that I didn't see. So I had to get excited when I read it. That's good. That's good copy. You know, other languages give you a heads up that you should be excited and you find out at the end in English, but um, all good. So today we are going to be talking about rest and productivity or rest versus productivity, the grudge match uh, that is always going on in our brains, in our society, and in our culture, where there is a balance between how much we should rest, how productive should we be? Should we be productive all the time? Is it bad to rest too much? Yes. Yes, yes to, to which one of those? <laughs> this is all, all of it. Of the above. All of it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I think it's an important thing for us to look at because all of us have that tension in our minds between resting, recreating ourselves, you know, not just running ourselves ragged and getting sick, although we didn't get sick a ton this year because we didn't see anybody. I did run myself ragged once this year. I did work too hard and then my body shut down on me. I didn't realize how much I relied on getting sick after pushing myself too hard to take natural breaks. That's true. That's true, because I have not been sick other than getting the uh, second dose dose of the vaccine did I get sick. (laughs) It just knocked me out for for a total of like 12 hours. Um, But yeah, that's true. That's true, because it's like a natural rhythm break for uh workaholics is uh your body gives up its immunity goes down and you catch something and then you have to sleep now you just gave us a label that's right workaholics mm-hmm. that's right well yeah. i think that is the tension though i mean uh, especially culturally i don't know for you guys but uh for me i always feel this kind of ambient pressure to like monetize my hobbies like everybody has some yes. kind of side hustle and that they do to like get extra money and i'm like which of my hobbies do i need to monetize and i'm like Wait, why would I do that? Like, yeah, what hobbies is aren't allowed to be hobbies anymore. We can't just enjoy them. They need to be doing something for us. Yeah. Like this right here. I mean, oh, wait. We, <laughs> we are doing this just for the fun of it. Right. Yeah. We make no yeah. money yet. Yeah. Chicken salad <laughs> chick after that last episode, 
I th- I'm pretty sure they're going to reach out to us. We should do like five dollar birthday shout outs. <laughs> yeah, you know, if I become the voice of chicken salad, chicken, ch- I can even say it, chicken salad chick. Then you know, this is a future for we'll us. We'll put that on the uh, ad tape so that they would say, "Hey, listen, this is what an ad reads going to sound like." <laughs> It's going to be great. You know, this is a perfect topic for me because I am um, a three on the Enneagram. So threes, we're uh, known as achievers. So we really like, we we find a lot of meaningfulness, sustenance out of achieving things. And so what that does, though, is it makes it really hard for us to be calm, to be still, and to just sort of take in what's around you. And um, I was telling Evan before, before we started that I um, took a nap earlier this week and I know it was cold and it was rainy. And I was like, this is the perfect time for a nap. And I, I started the nap, but then as soon as I, you know, was like trying to go to sleep, my brain kicked in. It was just like, you shouldn't, you don't need to sleep. You need to work. There's mm-hmm. stuff you, there's stuff you can be doing now. Why in the world are you resting? And I feel like that just captures so much of my personality struggle is, is this, this belief that our productivity is more important than our, our health. Uh, and our vitality and our and even our enjoyment of life, because you know part of and part of that's our work ethic, the the sure. the way American society is organized around productivity and values based out of what you produce in a, in a, a capitalistic society. Part of that too is probably out of my faith tradition, a Protestant work ethic that our somehow mm-hmm. our value is based on what we do for God or what we give up for God. Um, it's some kind of transactional relationship between the Creator and the created. You know, so I think lots of those fit in, but uh, I, I couldn't even take a nap because I believed my life was better off doing something than restoring myself. Well, and here's a fun question too. How many work events in the evening do you typically have a week? At least two. At least. And so like, and if weekends. you start your day at seven <laughs> in the morning and then you have a 7 p.m. meeting and you work all day, like, but I do feel, I feel a pressure to be on from nine to five. Like, I have to be doing productive things, even if I have a seven-hour event that night in the middle of the day. I'm like, I just really got to get back on that grind. I, I went to run an errand yesterday and felt really guilty for how long the errand took, even though at 8.30 p.m. last night, I was on a board meeting for a nonprofit that I'm on the board of that's out in New Mexico. and so. It, everybody's across the country that's on the board, so we have to pick evening times. And so I knew I was going to be on this meeting for an hour plus in the evening, but taking a longer lunch to go run this errand still felt guilty to me. I mean, for real. And you would think, you would think that working from home would somehow make that less pressure because you're you're home and there's flexibility but actually i feel like more pressure the ante because yeah i'm i'm home my office is here everything is like i just and i have to work harder to to prove because i'm at home and i'm not out going to meetings because that's how so many of us Mm -hmm. who work in like church world i think you know your busyness some people even posted on their social media like how many churches they went to visit how many meetings they went to how long you know, how many miles they drove, because those are the, the markers we use to, to determine our effectiveness as, as church leaders. And, you know, when you're at home all day, maybe there's even more of a drive to try to find achievement 
It's hard because I started thinking about how much downtime we used to get in our work lives when you think about it, because there was time to drive in between meetings. I would drive four hours between meetings and I'd have four hours to collect my thoughts. And and so it really was downtime where I wasn't necessarily producing something. And now I have it ingrained in me that I need to be producing during the day. And it's hard for me at times to set an end point because I might look at my list and go, I haven't achieved enough today. I haven't done enough work. It was really hard for me at the beginning of the pandemic um, because when we were in control of nothing else in our lives, I felt like I wanted to be in control of how much I was getting done. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think part of it, too, if I'm honest, comes from how dangerous it is to get the label as a worker mm-hmm. that you're lazy or unreliable, because that is a really hard label to shake, because we've all worked with folks that are kind of hard to get a hold of. They, you know, don't manage deadlines, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and you know how frustrating it is. And so I, in the back of my mind, just personally, am like, I need to make sure that I also represent myself as someone who's proactive, who follows through, who's consistent, who's available, you know, that kind of stuff. And so it's this weird tension where I don't want to get slapped with the lazy label because I want to, I, I, that, that harms our organization. You know what I mean? If I, if I, even if I'm doing what I should be doing and resting, you know, I, I have to make sure that I represent that because I represent something bigger than myself. So I feel ambient pressure that you know none of us have ever talked about too but i think we all feel it like you want to be a high achiever you know uh, Mm -hmm. in in the organization because especially working for a nonprofit where your work is funded by donations i feel an incredible responsibility to the people who gave of their their money and their time to put that to use missionally the way that they've intended and so but at the same time if i burn myself out and hate my life and quit my job then you're no good to i anybody. haven't done anything I mean, in the long yeah. term oh, right that is that is the the quandary i think we find ourselves in you know and i think i've had healthier uh, moments in life where i where i had better rhythm like uh, when i was when i was working with college students every day on a campus um i was very clear about my boundaries because i wanted to model for them good boundaries um but then when i stopped that then you get into that cycle where you're not around. In my case, I don't see all the people I work with every day. And so the discipline of like being a good model for that goes away. And then you just kind of, you get into this rhythm that you can, oh, I can take seven Zoom calls in a day. Seven hours in front of a camera, totally fine. That's, yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not doing anything. I mean, what else would I be doing besides sitting in front of a screen and a camera with a light on? You know, uh, so... Yeah, I think I think uh, that that but it goes back to thinking about the whole role of accountability on the other side of of, of healthiness um, and wellness is that it's not just about because I think there's something about being productive that's good for the soul. It's good for the body to, you know, for us to do things and mentally and emotionally to accomplish things, I think, are those those that's one side of wellness. But the other side of the wellness is also to be healthy and in your body and to to rest and to model that as leaders, I think is really important too, that, that kids see 
us. And I think that's where I'm convicted just today's conversation that I don't know that my kids see me taking care of myself in that way, in the way that they should. Because I don't want them to learn from me that the best thing to do is to sacrifice every bit of time you have for work. And that your worth comes from what you're producing. And I think it's really hard for, maybe I'll just speak for myself, but I see it happening in others. So I'm hoping I'm not the only one that... Probably are. (laughs) Just you. It's called Lindsay Island. Lindsay's Island of Emotion. That it's really easy to start valuing yourself based on what you're producing or what you're doing or contributing to the world instead of the constant reminder that I am worthy and have value simply because God created me, not because I'm producing or doing anything. I feel like you need to say that again for the people in the back. I have value simply because God created me and I exist and not because of what I'm producing or doing. And just to be clear, I am the people in the back. (laughs) (laughs) I know Evan got to the edge of his seat on that one. You have value. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that affirmation. No, I, I think I, I think just to be honest, I have a hard time with that. Um, because even when I'm resting, I have that to-do list mm-hmm. that I always come back to. I mean, I have to write things down or else they'll just stay in my head because I don't want to forget them. You know what I mean? Um, and so I'm like, okay, I find that if I have a notepad or I have my phone and my to-do list there, if I have a task and I have a time to do it, I'll write it down. And that helps me know that, okay, tomorrow's Evan, right? Future Evan is thankful that he organized his task list. And then I'm able to do it. But if I just try and keep it in my head, all the things that I have to do and all the goals and objectives that we have, I can't. That's when things drop is when I is when I don't meet the challenge of balancing rest and productivity with structure. Then I just go off the rails, which happens, you know, every two or three weeks. I just kind of like have these lofty goals, start off the week well. Life happens. And then I look at my calendar and the train wreck that is my desk and go think we need to take some more executive time <laughs> to uh, do some admin and, and scoop back up. But I do feel that, and you, you know, let me know what you think about this. I think that our inability to balance rest and productivity from personal and organizational standpoints is in some ways a symptom of very poor goal setting and communication. Mm. Because I think that systematically and structurally, uh, good leaders set good goals. So you know where your markers are, which means you know how you're going to measure it. And then you know when you've gotten there or when you've missed it. It's the nebulousness of a goal that always gets me, right? Like we want to grow. Okay, how much do we want to grow? Okay, well, we don't have a concrete target because maybe we don't want to commit to anything. But then you show up and you just kind of always in the back of your mind feel like you could have done it a little bit better. You could have done it a little bit better. And not to the point where you are debriefing and brainstorming about you know an initiative or a program. But like literally anything in life, you're like, should we have done something different there? And I have a hard time turning that off if I haven't talked about and audibly spoken out loud what the goals are for the team. So if as a team, we know where we're headed, we know what our goals are. When we take those breaks and rest, we can really celebrate what we accomplished in the goal because we measured it well. But if we don't set our goals well and we don't know where we're headed, then nobody can really rest because they don't know when they've actually hit a point where we should be able to stop and celebrate. 
I don't know if you feel that way too, but the organizations that I felt most personally healthy in have been ones that do that good goal setting that really block for me personally to be able to to rest and have that nice balance because I feel productive. But then I also know when it's time to rest and those rhythms are kind of baked in to that process. It's like what I think about the, if any of you have ever done the, the couch to 5k kind of running mechanism or the, the couch to half a marathon for you overachievers. Um, but, uh, that, that whole idea that you're going today, you're going to run um, half a mile and walk half a mile. Like there's this, this real demarcation of what success is and, and built in celebration of our last episode was about celebrating kind of a random celebratory of our own being together for the first time. And, and that sort of thing. But there is, I think you, what you're onto is that we don't know when enough is and mm-hmm. or, or enough for today or enough for this year or enough for this period of time. And, be, and because we don't know what enough looks like in a capitalistic society, honestly, there's never enough. And, and so because there's never enough and there's this whole like, um, you know, in, in, in theological terms, it's about theology of scarcity, that there's just not enough in the world. So there's not enough gasoline in the world. And so we got to put bags of gasoline in our trunks, you know, put it in your large Tupperware and store it up. Uh, there's, there's a lot of that thinking that happens in our society. And, and if you're thinking that way, then you can never rest and you can never be thankful because there's always a pursuit for more. And I think that's a real jam that we most of us find ourselves in. Well, and the whole kind of self-help genre also says we always need to be becoming better versions of ourselves. That's right. We can never be content with even who we are, much less what we do. And so we can't just be, and we can't be satisfied with plateau, that plateau is bad in this society. Yeah, infinite growth. You know, that, that uh-huh. we're supposed to grow infinitely, and that companies are supposed to grow exponentially and infinitely. Like, there is there is a limit, but we feel like whenever somebody hits that limit, we then view that as failure. Like, yeah. we say the company failed because it couldn't grow infinitely. It's like, ooh, that seems yeah. like a slippery slope. Body image. You know, you're never, you, you, you're never skinny enough, and you get to that place, that goal that you had, and then you realize, oh, no, I could be this. You know, and so there's this... It's so much of our life is is sort of permeated with this belief that there's not enough, you aren't enough, and there's we're never going to achieve enough, and just we just keep chasing um, that idea that there's more. This idea we're not doing enough uh, gets stuck in a loop in our brains a lot. Um, I found that I rested pretty well during this past year when everything was moving slower. I took a couple hours on a Saturday or Sunday, most weekends, and just read a book and often sat outside, soaking up the sunshine, reading a book and didn't feel guilty about it. Like just enjoyed reading a book and not doing anything else. And since it feels like in the last like four to six weeks, like the world is uh, opening up a lot more again. Um, I have tried to read a book sitting outside on a Saturday or Sunday and have found it to be a little bit of a head game with myself. 
that I start thinking about, well, I really need to run to the store and buy that baby gift, or I really need to work on scheduling one more thing to prep and plan for vacation, or I need to buy that piece of furniture and need to do more research that I was supposed to be doing. And I haven't meal planned for the week and that's going to be terrible because then I'll just end up eating randomness and that doesn't help me be healthy enough. And then all of a sudden my brain is spinning so much that I can't just read a book for two hours. This just this past weekend, we went hiking and I remembered as I was as I was out there hiking and feeling kind of just a perfect day. Um, just beautiful temperature, nice breeze and sunny and all that. I can remember us uh, recording an episode and talking about how long the spring felt. Like, mm-hmm. why is this? This is the best weather we've ever had. And and I remember asking, uh, wondering, you know, is is it because we were literally couldn't do anything? I mean, mm-hmm. stores were closed. You couldn't even go grocery shopping. You couldn't. That you were just everyone was just stuck. And and so we. We're all forced outside to enjoy the spring and to see it and experience it. And every day was so much longer than what we have now because it's so so filled with things again as, as life is sort of coming back to what it was before. And I remember thinking about that because here it is in May. We're recording this in May. And we had this, this long spring that's been beautiful. Um, it's kind of a cool day today. And I'm thinking, what if it's always been like this? And and mm. I really just, I'm just so busy that I don't have time to feel the wind blow. Yeah. And that's a real, that's a real eye opener for me because I do think that is probably true more often than not that I'm so busy that I don't get to sit outside and read a book. Mm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever ridden with somebody in a car who only puts Drives the pedal past. to the floor and then no, only breaks Evan. really hard. No, Evan, I've never ridden with anybody <laughs> like that. Evan, is that how Evan drives? <laughs> it's not any. No, not <laughs> no. He doesn't have the car for it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sold that car. Um, we did have fun though. <laughs> I remember vividly <laughs> me taking turns and Michael grabbing <laughs> the size of it and just going, "I have children." <laughs> I'll never forget that moment. We were very, we were perfectly safe, but that was in the moment the way to express. Perfectly safe sounds relative, but okay. We were perfectly safe. Uh, so, besides, we know the fact that Michael has children. Um, there's times where it feels like in life, if the gas pedal is productivity and the brake pedal is rest, I only know how to floor it and slam on the brakes. So I will, yeah. I will or run out of gas. I can do that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can do that. But yeah, I, I only, I'm either 100% work and working like a maniac or I'm trying to crash rest like a maniac. Uh, and I have, I try and do little challenges for myself every week just because I like to have something. And my challenge this week, actually I have a post-it note that says go slow uh, on my computer right here. And that's kind of the challenge for this week was what is a pace that kind of moderates that? Like what, how can I actually just kind of be productive, be more efficient and be on cruise control a little bit more than just trying to be the fastest car on the road and then be the slowest car on the road while I try and rest? Because I don't know about you, but when I crash into rest, 
I feel like I waste 90% of it because I'm just exhausted. And like, it's, it's like you're trying to catch your breath the whole time that you can't enjoy. It's like I sprinted up the mountain. I'm there for the beautiful vista, but I'm too tired and about to pass out to actually enjoy where I am. And that's how I feel with the pace of life a lot of the time. And to be honest, I'm a little scared that it's going to go back to that because mm-hmm. that seems to be my natural state of being and equilibrium when it comes to work and rest. And I don't really want that to be the case, but I'm not quite sure if I have what it takes to manage it because I don't know if any of us do. Like we really do need that accountability. Those other people, like I, I make plans with people at times where I know I need to rest. Like when I know that I am going to have a tough week, I'll schedule a hangout with some good friends or something. And then that will force me to disengage from work because I have to clean the house and host and then kind of unwind. And so I don't know if you guys do some things where you kind of pair it together, where you kind of bundle it in a way that you uh, structure your schedule so that you kind of force yourself to do that. And I have found that that's really, really helpful. I like what we're doing uh, in a couple of weeks. We, so Evan and, and I with some friends started a company during the pandemic and uh, we ended up, you know, when you start anything new, it takes a lot of more energy to get things moving, uh, or at least that's what you tell yourself. And so we we worked really hard this past <laughs> yeah. year and worked the entire like Christmas break up through Christmas. We had a big event that we were we were producing on the first Monday after New Year's, and so <laughs> we we had basically none of us in the whole team great. took a break, and so. Uh, we declared, I, I guess a few months ago, we decided we were just get as a whole company, we we're just going to take two weeks off and just block it so that no jobs could be taken. No, that way no one would be left trying to hold something and that we actually scheduled. Cause it would be Jessica. Cause otherwise, that's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. So, uh, you know, I think that's a great example of, of carving out time and making it a priority for the organization. And then everyone does it at the same time together. Obviously that's not realistic for everybody. For us, it works out and, and we'll be able to do that. But, but I think it, that's going to take that kind of discipline for me to stay from going back to where I was. It's got to be carved. And I think that's what, you know, in some respect, we, we talked before the show about you know, the role of Sabbath in all of this. Sabbath is this idea of sort of holy rest, you know, this this allowing your body and all of creation to be restored on a weekly, you know, part of it's on a weekly basis. But also there's this idea of daily Sabbath, that there's this out this rhythm of life of working and resting that that we humans are to partake in to to celebrate and and that keeps us healthy, keeps us in a place of well being. But so many of us forego that rhythm in life. So much so that we don't have it on a daily basis, certainly, but barely few of us have a real Sabbath on a weekly basis anymore, um, because every child we have has some separate, you go in five different sports practices, your job has things that are due Monday morning, or that you have a meeting on the weekend, or we're just spread so thin across time that we don't have time to actually rest. And so I think it takes that kind of discipline to recreate that space. Or we confuse sabbath rest with like getting things done so that's right i mean like doing my laundry and going to the grocery store and cleaning my house are chores that need to get done but that's different than sabbath rest and 
And so I, it's just really hard to slow down. It really is. I feel, and I think it's just kind of ambiently there as I think about it. The first part of my rest always involves some kind of guilt. Hmm. Because I think about other people on the team that might be taking care of something and I'm appreciative of that, you know, but I feel guilty that I'm not chipping in. I feel guilty that I have a job that I can take breaks from, you know, that I don't have to go off to a second job. I was talking to a cashier at a craft store and we're just talking and I'm checking out and asking them how they're doing. And, you know, what are you, what are your plans this weekend? You know, what are you going to do? And she's like, well, I have to go work my other job. And I was like, oh, what do you have to do? She goes, yeah, I do this during the day and then I do this at night and on the weekend. And I instantly felt like this big. Because I'm just sitting here so blessed with awesome coworkers, great opportunities. And then I'm resting and I'm thinking about her. You know what I mean? I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm trying to rest on the weekend and I'm like, but she's, she's out there and she has to do this to make ends meet. And for some reason, in the entire cosmos in this moment i don't have to do that and i have a hard time decoupling that like i really i really do feel just kind of an ambient i think it's just i think guilt is the best description for Mm -hmm. honestly how blessed life is you know what i mean and so it makes it this it's weird to unpack and i haven't quite figured it out yet but it's there you know and it's pervasive it sounds like a lot of what we do is when we kind of do these comparative suffering Mm. type ideas um of I should be more thankful. I should um I I shouldn't feel guilty. I shouldn't feel all these shoulds. And and as we've said so many times before, it means it's invalidating all of our feelings that we're having at the moment. And I wonder, I mean myself included, what it would be like to carve out rest time better um, and separate rest from Sabbath rest, but carve out rest time better and honor that it feels really uncomfortable. Like take the first 10 to 15 minutes going, this feels weird. It feels weird because again, kind of going back to that mantra, I am used to believing that I am only valuable if I'm offering or producing something. I am valuable in this moment, resting. Leslie, Leslie, good gosh. Lindsay, someone once told me, your value is not in what you do, but it's (laughs) who you are. And they said it for the people in the back. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Mike Breen wrote a book called Building a Discipleship Culture, which is all about these tools that you can use to understand the calling of Jesus and the Christian life uh, in order to shape the culture of organizations, your own life. And he has one of the most poignant analogies on rest and work that I've ever heard. Um, And he said that rest and work exist kind of on a pendulum. Uh, and so you swing naturally between rest and work. The rhythm is meant to exist with momentum, right? Like when you drop a pendulum, it swings a little bit less on the other side, and then it swings back, right? 
Uh, and so he said this comes from, I think it's John, when he talks about uh, the vine and the branches uh, and pruning. And he said that life exists in the natural balance and the rhythm between work and rest, where we are supposed to, we're not supposed to rest from work. We're supposed to work out of a place of rest and abiding. Hmm. Uh, and that abiding is the process of moving between rest and work. So when God says, you know, abide in me, what he means is, let me into this process between rest and work as you swing back and forth. Now, the fun part is, as we swing back and forth between rest and work, that's where the pruning comes in. Because as we rest, we process what happened when we work. And as we swing back to work, and we allow those things that God says, this doesn't need to be a part of your life, we allow those things to fall away and we become a new creation. So by engaging with abiding, to truly do that, we must truly engage with the, the work-rest rhythm. Because if you rev on work, then eventually you break. Because as hard as you swing up on one side or the other, your natural inclination as someone who's in Christ is going to be to feel the swing in the other direction. And I thought that was extremely poignant and really challenging to think about it in that way, that, that God's command to abide requires a balance of work and rest. And that if we are not engaging with the rhythms of work and rest in our life and allowing God to prune things off of our life in that process, we aren't following the commandment to abide. Therefore, resting is our biblical mandate, but it is to be balanced with work. Yeah, I think that the idea of a pendulum, too, is a really helpful um, image when you think about, like, when you start working, if, if you spend all your time more and more and more working, working, and, and it swings harder and harder to one side, what, we actually, what actually happens then is you, you swing back violently to the other side. Yeah, you get sick. You know, and you get sick and you're out, and then you spend less time over there, and you end up, you end up reducing your ability to be present in either place because, because the movement is the predominance of what's taking over in your life, and it's, and it's that struggle, which I think that movement, that guilt that you're feeling, that, the, that we all feel, that I feel too, when I'm, when I'm attempting to rest, robs us of the opportunity to actually rest, which means that we more violently swing back into the work, which we can't fully be present at work because we never were fully away from work. Yeah, And so mm -hmm. it, it just becomes this sort of place where we're just stuck and we're just sort of blowing in the wind, you know, and, and, and in any kind of random pattern. So I, I think you're right. And that, I like the idea of the, uh, I think abiding's a hard word for me personally, because it, it, it is a, uh, it's not an active verb. <clears throat> and mm. so that's a hard place for me to sort of kind of wrap my head around what that is, what that looks like. But I, I think that's probably something I need to try to live into. The pruning makes a lot of sense in that analogy too, as far as some of the guilt too, because a big part of rest is an awareness of things that need to change in your life. Like rest is the thing that gives you perspective for mm -hmm. what God is calling you to. Uh, and so when we rest and we become aware of changes that need to happen in our lives and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that's what's supposed to happen. Rest is not supposed to be some kind of void where we just don't feel and it's just like we just inject serotonin, you know, straight into our brains and feel good. And then that is the thing that makes us ready for work. No, it's a processing. And, and we have to work through that, and rest is more active than just retreat. You know, retreat is getting away. You can retreat and not rest. 
mm-hmm. very easily. And I find that I typically treat rest more like escapism. Yeah. Than like an active activity because I don't want something else on my to-do list. I mean, that's a perfect way to understand that you can go on vacation and come back exhausted. That retreating is not necessarily resting. Mm. And so we can relocate ourselves all sorts of places. Um, And just because we're away from tangible work doesn't mean that we are actually resting. Rest is so countercultural that no wonder it feels so uncomfortable for us. I think the same could be true about work too that it 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 just because we're working doesn't mean we're actually productive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's this false because we're busy, we equate busyness with productivity. Yeah. And and so in the same way that just because we vacated, we're on vacation, we vacated our place and gone somewhere else doesn't mean we're resting. And I think that there's something to be said about you know this whole idea of of being present with where we are, and I th- I absolutely could rest. I mean, just because I'm on a Zoom call doesn't mean I'm actually there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We <laughs> have so learned true. that in the yeah. last year about ourselves, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I love so much about play. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, there's been a lot of research done on play theory and the benefit of play in development, but not just childhood development, adult development. And I love the way that play and specifically any kind of minor competitive play focuses your mind. It's like it's like a train pulling the whole bunch of train cars. It kind of yanks your body into alignment because you're focused on a task that is like artificially created. And so I think when we play together with people, you get to know their personality, but it's also a focusing where you clear your mind because there's no room for you to think about something else because you're engaged with competition or you're engaged with play. You're focused on a physical task that kind of brings your brain along and lets your brain rest a little bit. And that's something that I think that we need to understand more, that play is essential. I don't feel like I know somebody until we played together and laughed. Until I know what makes you laugh and what makes you tick, I don't really trust you because I want to see how you unwind. So until I see how you unwind and if you're able to step back from work, that's going to affect the dynamics of you know what I view that relationship as. Because if you're not somebody that can unwind and play, we're probably not going to get that close because I'm just not a serious person all the time. To harken back to the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 7, which means that we do anything to avoid pain. So we're going to play a lot and we're going to play hooky a lot because we like to. Which is why threes need to be friends with sevens and seven needs to be friends with threes. It's great. Yeah. It's a good balance. I'm so glad you both have each other. We do. Me too. (laughs) Well, you know, when you were talking, I was sitting here thinking about some of the moments where I felt like I've been most rested or content. Uh, Maybe not physically rested. Because um, I don't know if you're a parent of kids, you're ever going to be. Was it when you again. hung out with Julia Roberts at that resort? <laughs> yes, yes, that was that was it. That was the moment. No, I was thinking um, probably mission trips with college students, because huh. college students have a way of having fun 
yes. in the most unlikely ways. And and because they're having fun, you want to have too, fun too. And then on, on these trips that I used to lead to the Bahamas uh, three times a year, we, we were rebuilding homes, people's homes. And neighbors. so we would go and we would, we would, you, you would be productive in the greatest way possible. You actually could see, we changed windows out of someone's house. We laid a tile floor in someone else's house. Like you, you could see these things and you built these meaningful relationships and you had fun while you're doing it and you ate really good food and you, you, you worked so hard that you slept so well. And those probably are the most rested, content moments I've, I think I've probably experienced in my life because of that balance between a really, really good, wholesome like work and play intertwined with rest. Something about going to bed mentally and physically tired after accomplishing something. And after laughing like heartily for yes. hours, you know. <laughs> to wake up with like crusty eyes and cheeks because you're crying, you're laughing so hard. I mean, even talking about how you felt rested on those mission trips, I think back to the last few years of what have I done where I felt really rested besides during this past year kind of reading a book on a Saturday or Sunday. My trip to the Holy Land a few years ago, um, with a number of people in the North Georgia Conference, while it was some of the busiest days I have ever had technically on vacation, um, I felt so rested while going nonstop that entire 10 days. Mm. And part of it is that I was in charge of nothing. And I literally showed up to meals and to get on the bus and everything when people told me to. Love that. And so for me, I was better able to rest when there was nothing that I had to take care of. Um, and then my evenings were filled simply with meals and laughter with others. I had no other agenda in the evening, and I started to journal at the beginning of that trip, and then I decided that being with other people was more important than me taking time to journal in the evenings and try to recount everything I saw that day, I thought, I can't hold everything that I saw on this trip, but I can hold how this trip made me feel. Hmm. See if you can get him snoring on the microphone. (laughs) All right, everybody, what's happening right now is that George is cuddled up next to Michael, and he's asleep on the chair that Michael's sitting in. And we're going to try and get the mic off, see if we can get some audio of George snoring. This is my best. He's going to do it, everybody. He's like, well, now I'm not going to do it. His eyes open. He's looking at the mic like, what are you people doing? He saw the microphone and Thought I was getting a treat. Oh, now he's doing it again. Yeah. He's too smart. He's a good dog. He's a good dog. He doesn't work too much. You know, he's he's well rested. Yes, I get jealous of my dogs. (laughs) That's one thing in the pandemic is they know how to chill out. I'm thinking uh, ahead to the next month or so. All three of us are going on vacation. 
And in mm. and taking this time to go on vacation for each one of us, I wonder how we can bring this idea of rest with us. Oh, a vacation challenge, you say. A vacation challenge. We're making a game out of it. How can we mindfully rest when I know that each one of our vacations is scheduled in a way that we're all going to be fairly busy um, and active. But I wonder how we can even use those active moments as ones where, like the mission trip, how you can be busy but so full of joy and play that it feels restful. We're going to have to find somebody who needs new windows, Michael. (laughs) 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 That's how you rest, is just find the one time that you felt rested and just try and (laughs) recreate that day. (laughs) On our vacation, we're just going to go find somebody's house. You put windows on it. Even if yeah. they don't need repair, we're changing these yeah, windows. Whether they want it or not. I think uh, my thought as I've been sitting here is, is one is not going to be checking email. Like just, just a hard no to email um, and, and to leave the phone off as much as possible. I mean, other than navigating and taking pictures. I, I took a sabbatical a few years ago and probably the very best part about that experience was I got rid of my, my phone and just had a flip phone that had no capabilities of anything. And so for um, two months I lived with just a flip phone and that liberation from constantly knowing what was happening in the world, constantly knowing what was happening in the workplace, constant, you know, all that responsibility and weight that comes with it. That alone was was just absolutely like liberating. Um, so I think I think for me, try to limit the, the the amount of connection I have back to reality, so that I can be fully present with the family and with friends um, during that break. I think that's one thing I'll do. Maybe I'll just text you here and there saying, "How are you resting?" <laughs> oh, our rest coach. <laughs> You've heard of a life coach. That's right. <laughs> the rest That's coach. what I want to be. I want to be a rest coach. Just somebody just texts you, chill out. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, finding moments of solitude when I'm in a different place. Sometimes I'll just drive around town and like go to a bookstore really far away so that I have a drive and I have to sit somewhere unfamiliar and kind of capture that experience which has been tough in the pandemic because i've just like walked in the woods behind my house i guess um which has been fine but i think finding those moments of solitude for me coming up on vacation to really sit in a place that's different and experience the realness and fullness of god outside of my normal environment is going to be pretty crucial and not feel like you have to see everything. That's the one thing I do. If I go to a, a a place I have not been before for vacation, then I feel like this like pressure that I have to go mm. see all this stuff that I have to see, and that being still is not like you're wasting your maximizing. money. Yeah, you're wasting your money and your time and the opportunity uh, by being still. Mm-hmm. 
I think we got that one on the mic a little bit. That was a big groan from George. I think George needs to come to all of our live podcast recording. This <laughs> is what I have every week. He'll he's under my feet and he'll make these these sighs and, and groans. Oh my gosh, he's stretches. adorable. So George is like maybe twenty five pounds soaking wet, <laughs> and uh, he's just a little furry, cuddly little guy. I'm feeling more rested and relaxed after this podcast. Can we do uh, on, at the near the end of the week a podcast on rest every week so that it's like ever present in my mind? Because I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm like looking forward to this weekend in a way that I wasn't before we had this conversation because I feel like what God wants me to do is rest well so that I can work well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that leads me to a challenge that someone gave me once that I lived into for a little while. And of course, like all challenges, like New Year's resolutions, it goes away. But when I did live into it, it was really profoundly important for me. And that was, uh, it was a, it was a workshop I was at, at some conference somewhere around Sabbath. And, and this idea of making Sabbath a priority every day. So, so setting aside whatever time you want to allocate for it. So for some people there, there's not a lot of luxury uh, for setting time aside. And so maybe you you set there's 15 minutes at a certain time every day that you're just going to be still. You're going to to not do anything. Um maybe maybe you maybe you do journal or you 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 can use a meditation app. You can use a meditation app's a great one. Yeah, that's right. There's, I mean, there's some tools you can do, but but the idea was that you get in this rhythm where every day you're setting this little piece of time aside. And then every week you set a little bit bigger piece of time and you just start practicing that. And, and just doing that regularly created more and more space, which what I found when I did that was that it was incredibly hard to start. And 15 minutes of being still felt like three hours of being still. But as you practice it, you became more comfortable in that idea of being still. And then you could really, on the weekly basis, become really more, because I think to your point you said earlier, Evan, is if you just try to rest on Sundays or whatever you declare your Sabbath day to be, then you, you're you so exhausted from a week of ex, of exerting every bit of effort you could that you can't really rest because your mind's still running. And so that practicing, that rhythm of working and resting and working and resting enabled me to have a more full rest when it came time for, for a day of Sabbath. So I think that could be an interesting way for us to try to rest a little bit more. You talked about the couch to 5K challenge. Did you just issue the first 5K to couch challenge? Yes. <laughs> today, I think so. today, friends, you're going to spend five minutes laying on the couch doing nothing. <laughs> Tomorrow, we're going to up that to seven minutes. <laughs> It would be fun for us to do one episode that's just like guided meditation. Let's do it. Like we yeah. do like like one episode that all we do is just sit and do some meditative practices for a certain amount of time and everybody can just listen and follow along in their own meditative time. My favorite is to to do mindfulness while eating. Yes. So is it okay if I eat on the podcast slowly? <laughs> now just like put the microphone right up so you can hear me chewing. Yeah. 
the we food. Can, we can talk about all sorts of grounding and mindfulness techniques. <laughs> and you can coach everybody on that one. Our misophonia and we will folks. try not to <laughs> cut it out of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get something good like, like chips and salsa. We're going to do a mindfulness eating practice with chips and salsa in the microphones. And grape tomatoes. And grape <laughs> tomatoes. Oh, goodness. Pop. It's like that uh, scene in Lord of the Rings, you know, when the king of Gondor is like going crazy and there's a scene where he's just like slowly eating disgustingly while his son rides off to take back this town to regain his order and he just like bites into tomato and it's just like oozing down his chin. It's a disgusting scene. Lord of the Rings fans are really into it. We're good. Hey, I'm, I'm with you, all, all you Lord of the Rings people. It's good. That's what I watched when I was holed up after the second dose of the vaccine. Was I just watched the Lord of the Rings? Well, they were on while I was moving in and out of consciousness, <laughs> um, taking a nap. So that's why it's on the brain. Um, but I think that's a great challenge. I think that that's a good a good place for us to kind of wrap it and get to some final thoughts. I'm really looking forward to resting, like you, Evan. I think that looking to the weekend ahead, um, I'm more excited about resting and being more compassionate to myself um, that I don't have to be busy, busy, busy. Mm, maybe I'll go back and listen to the self-compassion episode. That'll be good. Well, thanks, everyone. Yeah, I think, um, Evan, we go on vacation a week from two days. tomorrow. Two days. Yeah, we, yeah a week. And, a week and some change. Yes, whatever it is. We have a week, basically. Let's 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 practice our vacation starting tomorrow. Every little bit of day, just set a little bit more time aside so that when we get to vacation, we can actually fully enjoy it. It should be great. Well, thanks everybody. Thanks for coming over to my house. Woohoo! In person. And uh, looking forward to doing this again. This was we've never recorded episodes in person before, and I'm gonna go ahead and say. I like it better than Zoom. <laughs> Turns out, real life is better than Zoom. It's easier to not talk over each other when you're uh, actually <laughs> looking at each other instead of giving the like side head tilt that right. says, I have something to say there. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Which is so perfect. True. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Justin Patton for producing this episode and doing the music. You're wonderful, Justin, and we love you. We will see you all next episode. Remember, take care of yourselves and rest. You can always reach out to us at Not Alone Pod on Instagram if you want to get in touch with us. Leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. And as always, be excellent to each other as you balance faith and well-being. I tried to get as serious as I could for five seconds and I couldn't even hold it. I had to quote Bill and Ted. Everybody have a great week and a great day wherever you find yourself. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.